Welcome to the Ponder a New Podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Mialis, and it's great to have you with us. The point of this podcast is to ponder anew the ancient Word of God and what it means for us in our time and in our place. And for the first season of the podcast, we're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah. Now, you might say, Nehemiah, that doesn't seem like the hippest, coolest, trendiest book to uh, start something that's about a fresh look at Scripture. But here's the thing. Nehemiah is a book about rebuilding. And Nehemiah is given the uh, Herculean task of rebuilding Jerusalem after it's been destroyed. I think for many of us, we're entering into a season of rebuilding, rebuilding all sorts of facets of our lives. Uh, professionally, many of us have had just such a strange last year and a half. And, and even now, the companies where we work are um, reimagining, uh, repivoting, uh, doing all sorts of things uh, with still a great amount of uncertainty. So there's a lot of questions about what our work life will look like. And so I think many of us are having to rebuild there. On a more personal level, whether it's uh, our relationships in church or volunteer commitments or even most dearly, our key friends and family. I think many of us have experienced great amount of changes during the pandemic there and recognizing the need to do some rebuilding. We could look at many aspects of our lives, professional, personal, physical, spiritual, uh, emotional, and so forth. But I think wherever we are right now, we're certainly at least in one facet, if not many, in a rebuilding. And again, Nehemiah is a book about rebuilding, and so it's going to be a great opportunity for us to learn with Nehemiah about how we can go about rebuilding in our lives. And for the first episode here, we're going to look at the first chapter of Nehemiah and how Nehemiah enters into a season of rebuilding, sort of his, his pre-work work, uh, how he warms up to this. And so without uh, further ado, let's, let's get this party started and, and have some fun together. And so we begin. I'm going to read to you a small portion of Nehemiah chapter 1. I figure while you're listening to the podcast, you may not have access to uh, Scripture right in front of you, but feel free, uh, you know, with the Bible app on your phone or at your home to read along, take notes, and so forth, write questions in the margin. So here we go, chapter 1 of Nehemiah. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakalah, in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital. Okay, <laughs> I got to stop there. Uh, already we uh, sound like we're in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. Quick crash course lesson on history so that we can understand what's uh, the predicament of Nehemiah. For Nehemiah's life is going to be shaped by things that happened long before he was born. In around the year 586 B.C., ancient Jerusalem, the capital of the southern kingdom of Israel, also called Judah, is destroyed. It's 
overtaken by the Babylonians. And so then the Jewish leaders are sent into exile, many to the capital Babylon uh, of the Babylonian Empire. Others flee to Egypt, a story for another day. Okay, so for about 40 to 50 years, the people are uh, sort of separated with their leaders in exile. And then the Persians under Cyrus the Great conquer the Babylonians. And this means that many of the exiles are allowed to go back to their homeland. And more about this is actually in the book of Ezra. And uh, some work is done on rebuilding Jerusalem, most significantly the temple. But unfortunately, uh, Jerusalem uh, does not flourish. And so about 70 or 80 years later, this is where our story picks up, and Nehemiah now is no longer uh, in exile in Babylon, but that's where his sort of grandparents would have been, or parents. Now he is actually in Susa, which is the capital of the uh, ancient Persian Empire. Okay, so he's sort of like a, a, a doubly removed exile uh, who is still a Jewish person whose uh, ancestral homeland uh, was conquered. Okay, so now we can continue. One of my brothers, Han and I, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them about the Jews that survived, those who had escaped the captivity, and about Jerusalem. They replied, the survivors there in the providence who escaped captivity are in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Mm. So Nehemiah here probably knew that Jerusalem wasn't in great shape. But when the, his brother, which may have just been a friend or relative, but when this person comes to him, it hits home. I think for many of us, we're aware that there have been profound changes in our lives in the last year. But every now and then, something forces us to sit down and come to terms, at least begin to name what has happened. And if we're going to enter into a phase of rebuilding any aspect of our life, one of the first steps is simply acknowledging that there needs to be rebuilding. And this is kind of tough for me because as a pastor, I often feel like I want to champion what's going on at the church, kind of rally the troops, be a cheerleader supreme. But in any aspect of our life, again, if we're really going to take seriously the work of rebuilding, we've got to call a spade a spade, and name what has happened. And some of what has happened in the last year and a half for many of us has been, likely there's been some really good things that have happened. Um, and that'll be important to name as well. But Nehemiah here has a profoundly intense reaction to this news. He says, When I heard these words, I sat down and wept, mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah does not simply blink and then get back to work, but it says here that for days. It's, it turns out that grieving profound changes in life, coming to terms with that which needs to be rebuilt, isn't necessarily a one-conversation deal. Nehemiah had the powerful conversation with Hananiah that opened his eyes and made him 
recognize what's going on, but the, the grieving continued long after that. And the grieving here was really of body, mind, and soul. It says he's mourning, he's fasting, he's praying, he's weeping. Again, his, his whole soul, body, and mind are, are anguished here at what has happened. So there'll be days, uh, and in the story of Nehemiah, that are a lot more upbeat and cheerful and practical, so to speak. But, but it's interesting that the story begins with a moment of heartfelt grief and reflection. So one of my uh, questions for you, really sort of a twofold one, is, first of all, um, what have been the things in your life, the people, the relationships, the patterns, the, the ways of, of, of living that have been disrupted by the last year and a half? In other words, what, what are and where are you looking to rebuild? Maybe a, a corollary and smaller question is who have been the hand and eyes in your life, who have been the, the bearers of truth that have forced you to confront what you might have sort of known, but this just kind of said, boom, this actually is uh, the new situation in which we find ourselves. So again, that's my, my first question for you, um, is what are you grieving? Uh, what have been these profound changes that disquiet you? The second thing is, um, in what ways have you actually grieved? Nehemiah is very open right now, right? He's praying, he's fasting, he's weeping. I think generally our culture in America isn't very tolerant of, of grief. This is something we're very uncomfortable with. Um, we're not sort of, you know, how are you doing? You can only sort of go from the worst possible answer of okay to great, right? There's nothing worse than okay that we're allowed to be. Uh, now, grief, again, is a strange thing because for some of you in the last year, you've probably done a fair amount of grief work. Uh, and, you know, you might have really had some real seasons of, of melancholy and real reflection on, on what has been lost. For others of you, this may sort of seem a, a strange uh, concept to sort of acknowledge and process and even really let yourself experience some of these sadder emotions. So that's a, just my second question is, what are the ways in which you have grieved? Again, I think we've all grieved, and it's been such a long time. We've all at some level uh, grieved, but to, in what ways have you grieved? And, and maybe in what ways are you hearing in Nehemiah an invitation that if we're going to really rebuild, that we not only need to name what's happened, but also acknowledge what that has done on the inside to us. The next thing Nehemiah does after he has grieved is he begins to pray for God's strength. And it's a really important prayer in specifics, but before we get into the specific prayer that Nehemiah prays, it's just important to note that throughout the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is praying. And any rebuilding efforts in our lives professional, spiritual, personal, physical, whatever the dimension, whatever the aspect of our life it is. Prayer is so important for it. And in fact, one can just study Nehemiah as a book of how to pray, 
So let's hear Nehemiah's prayer. O Lord, God of heavens, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive to and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you night and day for your servants, the people of Israel, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both I and my family have sinned. We have offended you deeply, failing to keep the commandments, the statutes, the ordinances that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are under the furthest skies, I will gather them from there and bring them to my place, which I established, where I have chosen to establish my name. There are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great power and your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I'm going to get back to what he requests at the end in terms of this man and who that man is and so forth. But when we look at the prayer... Nehemiah is praising God, and Nehemiah is also confessing his sins and the sins of all the people, and he's making requests. And what's going on, though, in the whole, and again, it's, it's a great prayer, it's a model prayer in a lot of ways, but Nehemiah is reorienting, rerooting himself, reestablishing realigning his relationship with God. For if we're going to, again, rebuild in any way, the first thing that needs to be rebuilt is the relationship with God. And here, Nehemiah gives us the three sort of ways that this this happens in prayer. First, we praise God. We uh, acknowledge to ourselves and to God that we're not the God of our lives that ultimately there's a a Lord who is an awesome God whose resources and capacity are infinitely greater than our own and that the problems we face may actually be greater than we have resources at our disposal to fix or to rebuild, but they are not beyond the Lord's capacity. So we praise God, reestablish our relationship with God, that God is the creator, we are the created, And then we also confess our sins. Now, that might be tough during COVID because we feel like so much was just done to us. But again, I think if we really reflect on our relationships and what we've done, I don't think we should have too much of trouble uh, recognizing the ways in which we have fallen short. And then Nehemiah then begins to ask God. And asking God for things actually is proper and that we, we recognize God as the, the one who rejoices in, in giving gifts. Like God rejoices in being generous. God has given us this beautiful world and skills and gifts. And so again, God rejoices in being generous. And actually to ask God for things is in, in many ways um, the, the proper relationship for us to God. So praise, confession, and then requests. And again, there's lots of different letters, and, and sometimes people break out thanksgiving and praise and so forth. But, but basically, this, this sort of, this is a real model prayer here. 
And so uh, in our own lives, as we rebuild, whatever we want to, whatever facet of this, it's going to take place in our lives. It's going to begin with the rebuilding of our relationship with God. So to think about that then, um, the first thing that I'd, I'd like to sort of help you think about or challenge you to think about is how has your prayer life changed during the pandemic? And, and for some of you, that's going to be really concrete. So, for instance, I really used to pray only in church. I stopped going to church. I'm really not praying much anymore. For some of you, uh, that answer may, again, also be concrete, maybe in a more sort of healthy way. Like, well, I couldn't pray in worship in the same way. Um, my church had worship services via phone for a while or whatever, so I began actually to pray at home for the first time in my life. Um, for some, uh, again, people in the last year, they went through a period of real dryness where maybe prayers and patterns of prayer that they had previously weren't working. Uh, maybe you've been through uh, a pattern or a place where you really feel like your prayer life has, has become much richer. Um, and in some ways, the sort of the, the heat and fire of, of the pandemic sort of turned coal into diamond in your prayer life and that your prayers have become uh, much more honest and much more vulnerable and open to God, right? So again, there could be all sorts of ways. Um, and so I would invite you um, to reflect on, on the ways in which in this last year have, have you sensed that your, your prayers, um, have you pondered anew, have you learned anew how to pray? Have prayer habits you had before, have they kept you steadfast during this time? Are you sort of coming to a point of recognizing that you sort of feel like you need to learn how to pray anew because what was working before wasn't working? Uh, this is something that I'd be happy to uh, talk with you about, and if you want to contact me via email or even give me a call or set up an appointment, or we can reflect on this together at, at the pub next week. But that's really... Um, Sort of the just my first is just a reflective question of, of how has the last sort of year and a half or so impacted your prayer life? And the second thing is, uh, what can you learn from Nehemiah about prayer? And, and maybe it's just his willingness to pray all the time. Uh, maybe that in itself is, is already sort of a, something you can learn from. And, and maybe then the ways in which he is praying, the, the praise the confession, the requests. And, and maybe one of those you gravitate towards, or maybe um, there's one you feel like, wow, if I look at my prayer life, that's not necessarily how I've been praying, and maybe there's something good or wholesome about incorporating that more deeply into my prayer life. Or again, if you're a family or a, a couple or a household, how you do that within your, your, your unit, or even more broadly, the congregation. So this is wrapping up here. We're coming to the end of, of the podcast. Um, and so I'll give a little teaser, and then we'll move on. The teaser for next week is this last line. Um, he says, have mercy on me in the sight of this man. And then he says, he drops this sort of bombshell on us and says, at that time I was the cupbearer to the king. And that's going to be that's really what we're going to talk about in the next episode is what is the significance of Nehemiah's role as the cupbearer 
and what gifts we might have and, and so forth. But for this week, we uh, covered, as we sort of enter into rebuilding, um, the need to sort of tell the truth, to, to sort of own our grief and, and to do some grief work, as well as sort of the, re, the way in which prayer establishes, realigns our relationship with God, and that any rebuilding effort of any facet of our life is going to begin with uh, the rebuilding of our prayer life, and to sort of invite some reflection on that. I hope you've enjoyed the first episode of the podcast and if you are listening uh, far and wide, uh, that's great. I invite you to share it with your friends. And also, feel free to email me uh, with questions that you might have or thoughts, uh, dreams, ponderings, and so forth. Uh, you can email me if you know my church email address, but for the podcast, a simpler one to hear is just robertmyalis at yahoo.com. If you are local, living here in the Lidditz area, and are not on vacation this summer, uh, feel free to join us next week at uh, the, the Bull's Head for a discussion, and that'll be on Wednesday nights. And then each Thursday throughout the summer, I'll be dropping another episode. I want to conclude now with uh, a word of prayer. Again, as we seek to rebuild our lives, Nehemiah teaches us about prayer, about the need to really open our hearts to God and praise, confession, and also then an honest request, uh, ultimately about being vulnerable before the one who has created and redeemed us in Christ. So let us pray. Great and awesome God, we thank you and praise you for this day, for the health that we are having, for the waning of the pandemic in so many ways in our country, and for this season now of rebuilding. We uh, confess to you, we're speaking the truth that many parts of our lives are not where they want uh, to be, where you have indeed called us to be in various facets of our lives. And so we acknowledge this and we pray for your guidance and wisdom and strength as we move ahead, not simply to make our lives, quote, better in some way, but truly to conform them to the image of your Son and what you would have in our lives. Amen.